Hey, who knows that the real reason for this season is Jesus? Am I right? Come on. So what we might do, um, I'm going to start with just a chapter here, not a whole chapter, but some of the chapter from John chapter 1. Now I think I like all the the Gospels and, and everything, but I think my favorite has to be John when we're talking about Jesus, because the start of John kind of gives you a bird's eye perspective of everything from the start to the end of what Jesus did. Um, we're celebrating today the birth of Jesus, but let's have a look at what John says. In chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human. This is Jesus. He made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified Him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for He existed long before me. From His abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son is Himself God and is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. I thank You for who You are. I thank You for sending Jesus down to this earth, born a man and God at the same time to save us from our sins. Father, this morning as we talk about what I feel you have led me to talk about, would you touch people here? Would you change hearts? Would you change our perception, God? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Jess, can I just borrow your glasses for a sec? Thank you. Yeah. All right. I thought just because it's Christmas time, you know, I'd start with a news story that I heard the other day. This may or may not be factual, and this is definitely not theological. But anyway, three men died on Christmas Eve, and they were met by an angel at the pearly gates. In honor of this holy season, the angel said, you must each possess something that symbolizes Christmas to get into heaven. The first man fumbled through his pockets and pulled out a lighter. He flicked it. It's a candle, he said. The angel's like, you may pass through the pearly gates. <laughs> the second man reached into his pocket. He pulled out a set of keys and started jingling them. It's a bell. The angel said, you may pass through the pearly gates. The third man searched desperately through his pockets and finally pulled out a pair of woman's glasses. The angel looked at the man with raised eyebrows and asked, and just what do these symbolize? He said, 
They're carols. I was hoping you guys would get that. A little bit slow this morning, but I'll give you a bit of grace. That's fine. Awesome. So that had nothing to do with my sermon, but I thought I'd just lighten the, the cheek muscles there. You know, who knows what we talked about last week? Can anyone remember? Petrus preached an amazing word, and it was all about Moses, and, and he was unpacking this concept of honor and, and that it doesn't matter how the package is wrapped. Well, this week we're speaking about Jesus, because really the reason for the season is Jesus. And I love um, what I read before, John chapter 1, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, and Moses was a great man, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? You know, when we talk about Christmas, though, it is a pretty crazy time of year. And when I mean crazy, I mean there are so many distractions that can be thrown our way. I was just thinking of a few of these. For a start, you've got sort of financial stress that can be going on. If you're anything like us, Chloe is always asking me to budget by about July. And I'm like, no, we don't need a budget then, babe. We'll be fine. We get to November and we realize how many presents we need to buy. And we're like, oh, no, we're going to struggle with money. So that can be a stress. Um, family and arguments and that sort of thing, arguments between friends, where are we going for Christmas this year, what, what are we doing? I know a lot of people can struggle with that. This one is, is the worst that I find, finding the ultimate gift for your spouse. Husbands, I've got news, I don't think there is an ultimate gift for your spouse, <laughs> but anything with thought will get you a long way. But there's, you know, there's good things as well about Christmas. So we get good distractions too. We can have time with family. We can have time on holidays. Who's got time off? Come on, that's good. You guys don't seem that happy about having time off. I'm excited. And then you've got time with friends. So it, it's all good. But I think it, it's, we can all agree that there's a lot of distraction that goes on. When I was young... I would grow up and, and sort of, when I'm talking about young, like school age, I know it's hard to believe that I was there one time. Um, but yeah, I was at school and you know at school, everything is just crazy. You don't have time to do anything. Like you've got to get up, you've got to get ready for school. Then you go to school, then you come home. You've only got four hours of playtime until you have to go to bed. I mean, where are you supposed to fit God time into all that? So I used to love being able to get to holidays and I'll be like, okay, in Christmas time, I'll have extra time so I can spend it with God. And I would get to Christmas and Christmas would pass and I'd realize that I've actually spent less time with God there than I, what I'd usually do on a Monday to Friday. And that's because we have so many distractions. I could play with Jess. I could annoy Jess. I could bring my friends around and we could have a good time. We're out of schedule. There's so much to distract us. And I think it's easy to lose focus. I think it's easy to lose focus. That's why we came up with that, that saying, remember the reason for the season. We all know that so well. There's a, there's a point to that because we do. We can forget the reason for the season, which is Jesus. Now, one lesson I recently learned, this, this really blew my mind. I used to think that the most valuable asset that we can have is our time. Because you only get time once, right? When, when you use time, you can't get that time back again. Well, it, it's here and it's gone, and we don't get much of it. Like, we think 80 years is a lot, but really it's gone like that. But recently, I've discovered that there's actually something more valuable than time. This is going to blow your mind. Blue mind. Are you guys listening? 
So something more valuable than time is our attention. Turn next to the person next to you and say attention. You know, why is it more valuable than time? Well, there might be some of you sitting in this room right now listening to my voice, but your attention or your headspace could be 20 minutes away at work or it could be anywhere else. We can be somewhere, but it doesn't mean that we're present in that moment. And so what we've got to realize is that there's a difference between having time to do something and actually focusing on something. And when we come around Christmas, we can be at all the right things. We can be at church, but where is our focus? There's all these distractions. And, and you know what? The devil's oldest tactic is to distract us. The devil's oldest tactic is to say, look over here, look over here. There's work over here. There's family here. He will use anything, good or bad, to distract us from the main reason of the season. You know why? Because Christmas is so powerful. It's a time dedicated to remembering the birth of Jesus. Imagine if we as a church were focused on that one thing, the, the, the life of Jesus. Imagine the power behind that. So my question for you this morning is how do we maintain focus? How do we maintain focus when our attention is split in so many different directions, when we have all these distractions around us? Now, I was going to speak on three ways to maintain focus. But when I started praying about it, there's only one way. So you guys get a one-point sermon. How good is that? <laughs> Stay with me. Be attentive. Be focused for the next 20 minutes. And you'll find out why you should be focused. All right? It's going to be really good. I want to start with a story, okay? So, again, I don't know how factual this story is, but we're going to go with it. Years ago, before transatlantic flight was common... A man wanted to travel to the United States from Europe. The man worked hard, saved every extra penny he could, and finally had just enough money to purchase a ticket aboard a cruise ship. The time um, at that time, sorry, the trip at that time required about two or three weeks to cross the ocean. He went out and bought a suitcase and filled it full of cheese and crackers. That's all he could afford. Once aboard, all the other passengers went to the large, ornate dining room to eat their gourmet meals. Meanwhile, the poor man would go over in the corner and eat his cheese and crackers. This went on day after day. He could smell the delicious food being served in the dining room. He heard the other passengers speak of it in glowing terms as they rubbed their bellies and complained of how full they were and how they would have to go on a diet after this trip. The poor traveler wanted to join the other guests in the dining room, but he had no extra money. He'd sometimes lie awake at night dreaming of the sumptuous meals the other guests described. Towards the end of the trip, another man came up to him and said, Sir, I can't help but notice you're always over there eating cheese and crackers at mealtimes. Why don't you come into the banquet hall and eat with us? The traveler's face flushed with embarrassment. Well, to tell you the truth, I only have enough money to buy the ticket. I don't have any extra money to purchase fancy meals. The other passenger raised his eyebrows in surprise. He shook his head and said, Sir, don't you realize the meals are included in the price of your ticket? Your meals have already been paid for. This man, he didn't understand the value of his ticket. 
And, and we can sort of emphasize with the, empathize with this man. Like, he, he, set, he worked hard for this ticket. He saved everything. But he just didn't understand that it came with more than what he thought. But how easy is it for us to have that same mentality with Jesus? How easy is it? We think of Jesus and, and we think, yes, one day we'll go to heaven, but we don't realize the full extent of the gift that Jesus Christ brought when he came to earth. You know, the day Jesus was born, everything changed. Nothing was the same again. Nothing. And, and we forget this. We forget. You know, there's a verse that explains it. Let's go there now. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Very short. Jesus speaks a lot in parables, and he said this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field. This was a man that was full of focus. This was a man that found something that he knew was worth something. All right, are you guys kind of getting what I'm saying? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer on a bit more, but, but this guy was willing to go to any extent. He wasn't, he, when, imagine him digging up this treasure, he found it, he buried it. He's not going to be distracted when his work calls him in for a nine-to-five shift that Saturday. He's not going to be distracted when his family asks to spend a bit more time. I'm not saying family time is wrong. Please don't hear me wrong. He's not going to be distracted by anything. He's focused because he knows the value of the treasure that he found. How many of us know the value of Jesus Christ? Are you getting what I'm saying? I think to focus, we need to understand the value. You know, we sing about them. We sing awesome Christmas carols. We, we pass presents around. But if you don't understand the value of Jesus Christ, then you're never fully going to be able to focus on Him through the season. John 1.17, again, the law came through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus was around through the beginning. We heard in the, in the chapter in John, said the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus was around before the world was created. And then it said God created everything with, through the Word. So basically, nothing was created. So Jesus was around before time, and God actually used Jesus in the creation of everything. But you know, Jesus came again because we needed it. Jesus, He already created us, yet He chose to come to the earth again because we needed saving. Now, this should be really good news for some people because, you know, it, it says that our God is a God of second chances. Our God doesn't stop at just creating the world once and leaving it, and if it goes astray, He just leaves it. Our God would be willing to send His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to come again to this earth because we needed it. Jesus, our God is the God of second chances. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter the life that you have lived. You, there is no one that can say, I'm too bad to get into heaven. I don't deserve Jesus. Nothing you have done is, is worth that because God is a God of second chances. And you know, that is an amazing news for people. That alone is worth focusing on. We focus on what we place value in. You know, this, this whole point, this whole one-point message is around your, your focus should be Jesus Christ because of the value of Jesus Christ and nothing else. 
And I'm not even talking about what he's done for you, although that's amazing. I'm talking about just who he is, who, who Jesus is. I'm going to spit some verses at you now. Not literally, I won't spit. If you're taking notes, these aren't going up on the screen. So if you're taking notes, keep up with me because I'm going to tell you guys just how amazing Jesus is because I don't think that you guys are convinced yet. I, I don't know why you're not convinced, but I just think there's some people that need a bit more convincing. So I'm going to convince you some more. Can you turn with me? Well, don't turn with me. Just listen to me. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Ephesians 1, verse 2. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because of what Christ has done. Are you guys excited yet? Or am I just preaching myself happy here? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. I'm going to keep going. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Come on. Colossians 1, 22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, which we just heard. You are now holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Anyone want me to keep going? I can keep going. I've got more. Ephesians chapter 1, 19 and 20. This is one of my favorite. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Hold up. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. You want one more? This, this, I reckon this will get you guys standing to your feet and cheering. This, this is next level. This, oh man. Psalm 103. I was like, I was nearly at the point of dancing before. That, that's how excited I got. Psalm 103, three to five. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Everyone over 40, stand up and Praise God in this house. It's renewing your youth. This is the God we serve. This is who Christ is. He is everything. Christ is not a second thought. Christ is not an after opinion. Christ is everything. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Christ is everything. Focus on him by understanding who he truly is. When we get that, when we understand the value of Christ, you won't do anything else but praise God. You, I, you will be dancing. I know you don't believe me, but when you, when you understand what I understand, what we understand, when you understand that too, you will be jumping up and down, praising the God who lives. Do you understand the value of Christ? Let me ask this a different way. Let me ask this a different way. What value do you place on Christ coming to earth? What value? If I asked you to give it a value, what would you give it? Is it worth a weekend shift at work? Is it worth a bit of extra family time? Is it worth the stress that you're dealing with from another situation? You know, the enemy is trying to distract you, to keep you from realizing 
the value of Christ. This time, this season, could be a breakthrough in some people's lives as they focus on God. This season could be a point where, where perspectives shift. This season could be a point where some of you here, this might be the first time you're hearing about this awesome, awesome God, Jesus Christ. And this could be the time for you when your perspective shifts. But are you going to keep getting distracted? You know, there's one verse that sums up what I'm trying to say. And I'm going to get there now. So this is Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul has just talked about all these amazing things that he used to place value in. And he says this, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Now, don't lose me here because we're talking about good things as well, and I'm not saying that good things are garbage. I'm not saying that family time is wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But I think what Paul is trying to do here is when you have something that is infinitely good, that, that you can't describe how good it is, everything else in comparison seems like garbage. It's not garbage, but do you understand what I'm saying there? There, there is no comparison between knowing Christ and anything else, good or bad. There's no comparison. Do we understand the value of Christ? Because when we understand it, our focus shifts. Our focus shifts. We're not going to be distracted. We're not going to be distracted. You know, the best tactic that Satan has is distraction. You can get distracted by anything. We've mentioned good or bad things that distract, that can distract you. You know, you might be something distracted by something else entirely. The devil's still winning. Satan's wins when you're distracted. It could be about anything. It could be about a health issue. You could be distracted about um, a friend situation. You could be distracted about a marriage. The list goes on. Distraction doesn't just stop at Christmas. I'm using this at Christmas because it's a time of the year where we feel the stress. But this can be applied anytime. Distraction is something that the enemy will use whenever, whenever he can. You know, yesterday, um, not yesterday, a couple of days ago when I was preparing um, Chloe doesn't know the story, but I'm going to tell you guys, and please don't tell her because um, I don't know how she'll feel about it. <laughs> I was driving her car. Um, <laughs> so, so Chloe was sick, and me and Jackson um, were spending the day together to get away from Chloe and the germs in the house. And so we went on this drive, and, and we climbed a mountain and had an awesome time. Jackson screamed at the top, so I had to leave. This was kind of when I was wanting to do some prep. So he fell asleep in the car, and I was, I was thinking I'll take, make the most of that time because he's asleep. I can just pray. I can just talk with God and, and sort of get some ideas for what to talk about. And I love adventures. I love just doing things differently. So we're at Glass House. I needed to get to Kabulcha. And I saw the sign for Woodford. And, and it was on this dirt road. But it, it just said 3.5 kilometers. So I'm like, oh, that's fine. And so I'm going from Glass House to Woodford. And then I can detour to, um, to Kabulcha. 
And so as I'm driving along, all is good. It's getting like a little bit rocky and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this too much longer. I see the tarmac ahead and I'm like, oh, sweet. Like we're, we're here, all good. We get onto the tarmac and it comes up to this T. And so I turn the way the sign says to Woodford and there's like about five meters of tarmac and then more dirt road. And at this point, I've already driven like three and a half K. So I'm like, oh, do I turn back? Do I keep going? I decide to keep going. And, and all of a sudden, I begin to get distracted. I'm trying to prep for the sermon. And all I'm doing is trying to dodge potholes. And then Jackson's asleep. So I'm checking to see if like the bumps aren't waking him up as we're driving along. These four-wheel drives screaming across the road. I'm trying to like not get hit by rocks as we're driving. And all of a sudden, I find that it's very easy for me to start getting distracted. And I'm trying to like bring it back. I'm trying to say, okay, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? But um, I'm not really getting far. So I, I, I started to get a little bit anxious because I'm like, I need to, I need to prep. This is my time for prep. Uh, I want to prep, but I'm just getting distracted by everything. And I just had this thought, you know, sometimes... God doesn't need anything special. We think like when God speaks, it needs to be like we need to fall over in His presence and or we need to be up on the mountaintop and He needs to like hit us with lightning and then we'll get it. No, sometimes it's just a thought and it could be just a thought that you think of. And the thought that I thought was look up the opposite of distraction. What's the opposite? And I didn't know this, but that's called the antonym. I don't do English, but the antonym is the opposite. And you know, I, I can imagine God, like God's just put this thought, He's like, Caleb, look up the opposite of distraction. And me and my genius, I'm like, oh, I, I think I know what the opposite of distraction is, thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's attraction. Distraction, attraction. And I can just imagine God just being like, oh, look it up on your phone, Caleb. Like, just because it sounds like distraction doesn't mean it's the same or opposite. So I look it up and you'd be amazed what the opposite of distraction is. The opposite or the antonym of distraction is peace. Peace. You know, and because I'm really dumb, I didn't put it all together just then. I couldn't work it out. It took me until the next day when God led me to a specific verse that everything fell together for me, that everything fell in place. Because this whole time I'm talking about, we need to be focused, we need to be focused. But you, some of you here might be like, why do I need to be focused? Like, what's the whole deal about being focused on Christ? Well, this is where we're going right now. Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, says this. God is speaking and, and He says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. When our thoughts are fixed on Him, we have perfect peace. When we are focused on Him, we have perfect peace. You guys get where I'm going. Why is it so important to be focused on Christ? Because God wants, to live you in, wants you to live in peace. The enemy is trying to steal your peace. He's trying to rob it. Why do you think that Jesus could sleep in the storm when all the disciples could see was the wind and waves, but Jesus was asleep because he was focused on the Prince, on God, on all of those things. He was focused. Why do you think 
that Peter could walk on water until he started being distracted by everything else. Fear crept in and Jesus had to reach out a hand and help him up. We need to be focused to live in peace. The Prince of Peace is calling us, calling our, calling our attention back to Him. You see, this Christmas, don't let the enemy steal what God has given you. God wants every one of us to have perfect peace. God wants every one of us to, to live in that, but the enemy's gonna try to distract you. The enemy is going to try to steal that away. But I want to say, don't let him. Our job is to focus on him. Remember who he is. Remember his infinite glory. Remember what he has done for us. In John, we heard about a God who made everything, created the world. And yet when that wasn't enough, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, born as a man, fully God and fully man. The reason He did that was that so we could live in perfect peace, so that we could experience unfailing love, so that we could experience the faithfulness of a God that never leaves us. No matter what we've done, our God is full of second chances. He will never leave us. Our job is to focus. You know what I've noticed? Whenever I feel anxious, what I do is I try to shift my focus. What I do is I try to take a step back and say, what is God saying in this situation? By doing that, I begin to feel that peace slowly trickle in. Now it may take a few goes, and I'm not saying I get it right every time, but as we take a step back from whatever the situation is, whatever situation you're going through, take a step back, focus on the King of Kings, and let peace trickle in. Let peace come. I don't want Satan to steal any more than he has already. I don't want Satan to, to rob and kill and destroy anything more than what he has already. There's, been, there's some people in this room that have been living in anxiety far too long. Today is your day where you focus again, you shift, you change your perspective, you look to the King of Kings and see your miracle. I really feel like this morning God wants to tackle this issue of anxiety. No one should have to live in constant anxiety. No one. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Focus on Him. Shift your focus, shift your gaze and see what He does.